Hats off to Jiminy's, maker of sustainable dog food made with cricket protein. Cricket protein is a superfood, delicious, nutritious, sustainable, humane, and prebiotic. To learn more and save 15% on your first purchase, go to Jiminy's.com AMR and use code AMR15 at checkout. Indeed is here to help you finish 2020 strong. Indeed, the number one job site in the world. Get a free $75 credit at Indeed.com AMR. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31, 2020. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined by Amanda Loudon. Hello, Amanda. Hey, Sarah. How's it going? Oh, it's a, a little bit of a frantic morning here. Um, I got a call last week that the pool that I've been driving 20 miles to get to was closing tomorrow for two weeks. We're having a temporary uh, resumption of a lockdown here in Oregon. And I had um, a reservation for Lane to swim on Wednesday. I'm like, well, do you have one on Tuesday? Right. So so yes. So I drove down there, but it was funny because I um, came down to our basement to meditate before to do the daily calm before I headed out on the like 25 minute drive. And I was like, no, I can meditate in the car once I get there because I'll hit better traffic if I leave 10 minutes earlier. So How'd that work out? It worked out very well. It had um, a nice ambient sound to be listening to it in the car. So, Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. 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 And got to see a nice sunrise. The um, There was this uh, really dark, um, fiery orange and red on either side um, down low um, against Mount Hood that uh, you get a really good view of when you drive on the freeway. So, oh, that's nice. Uh-huh. Yeah. So there was, there was a bonus to leaving that. It was actually 11 minutes earlier. Um, so, yes. <laughs> <laughs> what, did you, what did you do for a workout today? Um, I today, so I still haven't gotten back in a pool at, since our last um, conversation because I, you know, I was just about ready to pull the trigger and go back to an indoor pool. And well, you know, numbers are surging. So I'm thinking this isn't the best time to uh-huh. resume. So um, anyhow, so that leaves me kind of, you know, w- with not a lot of cross training options. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I go to a, I, I think I've told you before, I have this great little gym where we're doing group, group workouts and, and they are, you know, a mix of, you know, kind of like a hit workout, mm-hmm. um, mix of strength and, and cardio. So, you know, I'm doing that a few, maybe more than I used to right now. And so that's what I did this morning. I went there and I, and I took the, our new dog read out for a, a three mile walk before going to that. So, um, oh, nice. and is that class indoors or outdoors? So it's indoors, but I feel incredibly safe because mm-hmm. they, they are fortunate to have a huge bank of windows. And mm-hmm. so they have the windows open, they have the doors open. We're only six to a class every mm-hmm. single time. Mm-hmm. And we're all wearing masks 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're very spaced out. So I, I don't feel I'm a pretty like, um, you know, um, zipped up, buttoned down COVID person. But this yes. to me, like I have not been in an indoor restaurant, but mm-hmm. this feels very safe to me. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. My my outdoor class just, oh, I guess tomorrow will shift to having six people down to five people so that we can have a little more space between us. Okay. And, and but ours is, ours is outdoors. It's covered, but um, it's open on all sides. I mean, it's kind of like an enormous tent like you have at the side of a soccer field or something like that and so then you can also if it's not raining um or not raining too hard um you can stand in the parking lot and that's a lot of times what i do so like when i jump rope or doing lunges or you know kind of what dimity calls the monster walk with a um, resistance band i go out in the in the um parking lot so and i actually kind of like it because even um in the before times uh, I would oftentimes at that class step outside onto the sidewalk to do, you know, I don't know, lunges with bicep curls or overhead press or something because I'm just like, it's too hot inside. It's too hot. Yeah. I want to be yeah. outside. And I, I like being outdoors as much as yeah. possible. So, yes. Yeah. And, I, and to, that, to that note, it's so funny because this gym, 
um, you know, in all the years past in the winter, I always thought it was too hot because like, <laughs> I, I felt like I would step in at 5am for a class and like the, the, you know, they had the, the furnace just blasting on us. And I'm like, I'm here to exercise, not just sit. And so this is entirely too warm. And, um, so I'm like, Hey, problem solved this year. <laughs> Windows are open. <laughs> Old air's coming in. We're good. <laughs> Women of a certain age workouts that enjoy yes. it. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, then when I got home, I had to um, shovel down my breakfast in, in record time. Um, so, um, which brings us to our topic of today. Um, so, um, yes, we were staring down the biggest, uh, you know, poultry-based holiday in the U.S., Thanksgiving, <laughs> but, but we, because there aren't many poultry-based, so it doesn't have a lot of competition, but, uh, <laughs> but we are going to be talking about eating a plant-based diet, uh, vegetarianism and veganism. Our guest is sports dietitian Natalie Rizzo. She, um, her website is Nutrition a la Natalie, and uh, Natalie's based in New York City. She's an avid runner with several marathons under her fuel belt. She's also, also the author of several books, including The No-Brainer Nutrition Guide for Every Runner and The 100 Best Foods for Vegetarian and Vegan Runners. Ding, ding, ding. That's why she's our expert today. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we will be um, talking about eating without any animal flesh um, with Natalie after this break. Stick around. As runners, most of us marvel at speed. It's elusive and it needs to be combined with efficiency to make it work in our favor. That's why when you need to hire great employees as fast as possible, you need to turn to the team at Indeed. Indeed is the premier job site on the planet with more total visits than any other job site. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. visit Indeed each month, so it's clear Indeed can help you get the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it, say it with me, fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com AMR. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com AMR. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31, 2020. Humans aren't the only ones who can help the environment by eating less animal protein. Feeding your dog with foods made from cricket protein uses less land and water to produce, and it drastically eliminates greenhouse gas emissions compared to traditional animal protein dog food. Meet Jiminy's, nutritious and sustainable food and treats for your dogs made with cricket protein and other delicious plant-based ingredients like sweet potatoes, oats, peanut butter, and flax. Yup, Jiminy's, like the long-legged singing and dancing cricket from Disney flicks. Here's a stat that should give you pause. See what I did there? If you have an average-sized dog, switching from a chicken-based diet to an insect-based diet saves 480,000 gallons of water per year. My best running friend, Molly, is a veterinarian. When I told Molly about Jiminy's, she immediately saw the appeal, saying it would be a fantastic option for sensitive dogs with allergies because insect protein is considered a hypoallergenic food source. That was music to this dog mama's ears as Augie, our French bulldog, gets itchy, red, inflamed skin if he eats the wrong type of food. Sensitive little guy. Augie, typically a picky eater, immediately took to Jimmy's cricket crave food. When I mixed it into his regular kibble, he ate his meals with far more gusto than usual. To learn more and save 15% on your first purchase, go to Jiminy's.com AMR and use code AMR15 at checkout. That's J-I-M-I-N-Y-S dot com slash AMR with code AMR15. Jiminy's dot com slash AMR with code AMR15. Natalie, thank you so much for joining us and, and talking about um, vegetarianism and veganism. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat about it. Good, good. Yeah, so this topic was spurred in part by a question from, uh, that was uh, aimed at our AMR Answers podcast. A woman named Lorraine 
uh, left a message and she wanted to know how to have the best energy possible on a vegetarian diet. And I just thought that was a really intriguing way to phrase that. So, and also um, it was spurred on by the fact that I'm staring down yet another Thanksgiving day um, with three teen vegetarians. So trying to think of <laughs> what I can serve them. So, <laughs> Oh, interesting. Are you a vegetarian too, or they just chose to do that on their own? Uh, so I haven't eaten beef in uh, close to three decades. Uh, I eat uh, poultry and some fish, and I do have to say I have a real weakness for pork. Um, so, um, but by, you know, at home, we eat vegetarian probably not, I mean, the entire meal is vegetarian probably 95% of the time. Nice, nice, yeah. That's a, it's becoming very trendy to be plant-based or vegetarian or vegan among younger people. So I hear yeah, more and more t teenagers are doing that. You know, I have to say, I find it almost unusual here in Portland when kids, when teens do eat meat, that um, I just assume all teens are vegetarians until told otherwise. So. <laughs> 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 so Natalie, um, tell us, um, first of all, a little bit about your running background and um, what your running's like these days, um, especially living in New York City. Yeah, sure. I, uh, I actually started running about six or seven years ago. I always kind of was normal fitness gym goer. And when I was turning 30, I decided I wanted a challenge. So I signed up for a half marathon not being a runner. And then uh, the, <laughs> the races here a lot of time are a lottery. So I got into the lottery and then I was like, I have to run this race. So I started training <laughs> for it and I just loved running after that. And I continued to do it. And um, it's been interesting. It's been interesting because in the beginning of COVID, of course, New York City was hit so hard. It was, it was scary to go outside. I was running in the streets to, to not be near people, but there was no one out. And uh, it was the only way to get out of my one bedroom apartment because all the gyms were closed. And now it's, now everything's somewhat back to normal. Our gyms are open. We can wear masks in there. There's everyone's wearing masks while they run. So it's been the nice respite from being inside, uh, especially mm -hmm. when you live in a tiny space. Yeah. 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 So I wanted to make sure that we're all on the same page with our definitions so that, um, if, Natalie, if you could remind listeners the difference between vegetarian and vegan, and then also if eating a, quote, plant-based diet is something different from either one of those things. Yeah, th that's an interesting question because plant-based is used in so many different ways. But uh, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll start with, so vegetarian means that you eat all animal. I mean, oh, sorry. You eat no animals. You don't eat chicken. Um, you don't eat pork, beef. Some vegetarians eat fish, but technically that's considered a pescatarian. Um, mm -hmm. You eat dairy and eggs, and then all vegetables and things like that. Uh, vegans don't eat any animal products, so that means they don't eat dairy. They don't eat eggs. They don't even eat honey because that comes mm -hmm. from bees. Um, mm -hmm. So absolutely nothing that came from an animal. And then plant-based is really something that's just become, I almost want to say it's kind of like a marketing term. It's, it's not mm -hmm. really well-defined and everyone has their own definition of it. So some people say plant-based is vegan. Some people say plant-based is vegetarian. Some people I know that I counsel uh, eat what they call plant-based but they eat meat as well, which means that they just eat predominantly plants. So it's kind mm -hmm. of whatever you decide it is for you. But I think a lot of people online that are talking about it are, are talking usually either about a vegan or vegetarian diet. Yeah, I suddenly got the sense that maybe it was kind of plant predominant diet that I was like, oh yeah, no, 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 that's not what we're going to be talking about here today. We're talking about, you know, eschewing animal products. So, um, yeah, yeah. So, um, and, um, I'll lump dairy and egg and all those things into the vegetarian, as you said. So, um, so as we often do, we turn to our avid Facebook audience for questions. So we're going to start this one off from Tam. Um, what are two or three misconceptions about plant-based diets, um, that you'd like to correct with your clients. And I guess we've already covered one that, that the phrase plant-based diet can have a wide range of um, definitions. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I also think that there's 
almost two misconceptions that are opposite of each other. One is that this is the healthiest way to eat. And another is mm. that this is not a healthy way to eat. I think people oh. have kind of extreme views of it. So one is that when you eat plant-based people who are uh, don't really understand the diet, the first question they'll always ask you is, how are you getting your protein? How are you getting iron? How are you getting B12? They just think that there's no way you could get these nutrients. <laughs> and that's not necessarily the case at all. There's just, you just kind of have to understand more about what's in your food and really plan out your meals a little bit more. So I think that's a misconception. Um, and then there's also the other end of the spectrum that people, so, certain people do think that it is the only way we can eat. It's the healthiest way we can eat. And I, I'm not saying that it's not a healthy way to eat. It's just that there are ways to kind of do it wrong. Uh, you can eat mm. lots of processed foods. I always say like Oreos are vegan. <laughs> I mean, there's plenty of, there's right, plenty of, right. yeah, candy, vegan food. So um, there's, there's ways that it can not be the healthiest of diets. So there, it's kind of just like finding the middle ground. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Um, that's a very good point. Um, so an- another question we had is from Jenny. And she asks, the older I get, the more inclined I am to move toward a plant-based diet because my body really struggles with eating meat and dairy. Any tips on making the transition from meat to plant-based diet and anything to prevent constant hunger and blood glucose drops? Yeah, that's actually what I hear the most from people who have Mm -hmm. just transitioned to a plant-based diet is that they're hungry all the time. And Mm -hmm. yeah, it's interesting. And especially... um, a lot of people, when they come and try to see a dietitian, it's because either the hunger or they feel their energy dropping a lot. And a lot of times that's just from kind of not really understanding what's in food and how to get the right mix of nutrients at most meals. So in general, a lot of times it's the sign of not eating enough, probably protein and, and uh, just those healthier fats, the things that kind of are in animal foods that you're now giving up. You have to replace them with plant-based sources of that because both protein and healthy fats are actually what satisfy your appetite. So if you don't have enough of those in your diet, you're probably gonna be hungry throughout the day because we know carbs in general, even carbs that are in vegetables and things like that, they get digested pretty quickly. So those can make your um, hunger levels come back quicker. So if you're not, incorporating enough of the protein in your diet, you may have that hunger throughout the day. Uh, But in terms of transitioning to a plant-based diet, I think it's just, it's really as simple as kind of maybe just starting with one meal a day. And I like to suggest breakfast because a lot of times people aren't eating meat at breakfast anyway, unless they're eating maybe bacon or sausage, but that's really something that we should probably cut out anyway if we're doing a little <laughs> bit of that. So I think that, that that's like the easiest way to go about it. Just try to start one meal a day and see if you can transition to two meals a day. And and for some people that may be enough and that's all they wanna do in the long run, but maybe that you find that easy and then you continue to do more and more meals throughout the day. And also just give yourself a little bit of lead way. It's not that big of a deal if you, fall off the plant-based bandwagon and you have to start all over it's Mm -hmm. you're doing it for yourself so just give yourself a little bit of a flexibility there that's what i tell my kids that there's no one keeping score and because every so often my son in particular he's 15 and so really going through you know a big growth and development stage and i'm just like john you know it's it's okay if you feel like eating a hamburger that's that's okay <laughs> like yeah the world will not start spinning backwards you know absolutely <laughs> really it's it, we we tend to think that one meal ruins everything but that's not the case at all one meal mm-hmm. is just one meal it's it's really unhealthy habits that last for months or years that will lead to unhealthy lifestyle, but one meal is not that big of a deal. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of a follow-up to Jenny's question. There's this one from Andrea and it it made me chuckle a little bit. She said, um, I've been meat and dairy free since February and I'm still learning. I'm wondering about any recommendations for kitchen gadgets that would be helpful making plant-based recipes. 
what is most important if I can only put one or two things on the Christmas list? Um, true confession, I burned out my blender early on while making items with cashews. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, this question is, I have the smallest kitchen, probably of anyone <laughs> listening here. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> I don't have that many gadgets. But that said, I do have a food processor, which I love and use almost daily for things like making hummus, or I have made certain things with cashews because you can turn that into like a milk or a creamy dessert and that works in there or making dressing. So I'm really in love with my food processor. So if you can only make one thing, one purchase, that may be one. And then I don't have this, so I can't speak to it, but people are <laughs> obsessed with the Instant Pot, obsessed with it. <laughs> Um, so I think that that, and I know there's cookbooks for it and it makes everything so easy and it makes cooking so easy. So I, I would say that that's another one that could be something to put on your Christmas list. Yeah. I, I, um, found a zester to get a good zester really added a lot to my repertoire. Cause I just really like, um, putting a lot of like lime zest into curries, you know, kind of tofu curries or, you know, lemon zest into um, a pasta dish to give it a little extra zing. So, um, and I got mine for Christmas one year for my in-laws. So that, so I would um, tell Andrea to ask for a, a really high quality zester. Yeah. And that's um, easy and simple to store. And, and exactly. It goes into a drawer. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Adds a lot of a taste to your food too, with just a very small amount. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, well, our next question comes from Toby and it's a common refrain uh, that I hear. I know probably all of us here among active individuals like women runners. Um, she says protein. I never get enough. What are effective sources of protein and a few suggestions for new ways to use them, as in a way to use beans instead of um, meat in a chili? Yeah, uh, protein is one that everyone always worries about when it comes to vegan and vegetarian, but there's actually a lot of sources of it. So there's beans, right? That's the main thing we think of. One of my favorite sources of protein that I think a lot of people don't use that much is lentils. It has a lot, they have a lot of protein in them. And I use lentils in anything that would traditionally be a ground beef type of dish. So for instance, I have a veggie meatball recipe that's made with lentils. Um, mm -hmm or burgers, plant-based burgers with lentils or tacos with lentils. So I like those a lot. And then of course all the soy products. So I think people don't love tofu, <laughs> but there's, if you like it, that's awesome. But I also really like tempeh, which is mm. fermented soybean and it has more of a bite. So you don't get that uh, mushy texture that you get from tofu. So I recommend that a lot. And then if you do eat dairy and eggs, Greek yogurt is a great source of protein as well as eggs. And uh, those are really, really easy to incorporate into smoothies or breakfast or toast or things like that. Um, and then of course, uh, with the beans, what else can you do with them besides, what else can you do with them besides chili? You can really do anything. You can process those up and make a dip. You can make hummus with chickpeas. You can make a burger, uh, you can put them in a casserole, you can put them in stuffed peppers. I, I really feel like you can do whatever you want with them because the whole thing mm -hmm. with plant-based foods is you can experiment with stuff. You're not really gonna mess it up. It's all whatever you wanna throw together. Yeah, I roast chickpeas for um, a bowl and um, this kind of open-faced sandwich for lack of a better term um and so finally my younger daughter was like oh can you put those on salad that'd be a good way to get protein on our salads i'm like why yes i can do that <laughs> <laughs> um and and quinoa i mean does it really provide um sufficient protein because i finally got over my um strong dislike of quinoa by rinsing it by we had a um I think a nutritionist on a bunch of years ago and she was just singing the praises. I'm like, it tastes like dirt. And she's like, she's like, you gotta rinse it better. So every time I rinse my quinoa, I think of her. Um, and, and like, I've um, got a recipe for kind of making um, uh, uh, taco filling using um, quinoa and 
um, yeast, you know, um, uh, nutritional yeast and some uh, pico de gallo and a couple spices and then baking in the oven. And, oh, it's really, really good and kind of really does almost mock uh, ground beef. So yeah. am I kidding myself that quinoa can provide... <laughs> protein for me. <laughs> You're not kidding yourself. <laughs> it's a, it's a decent source of protein and Good. most whole grains, that's a category I left out. So it's interesting because quinoa has kind of this health halo around it that people think it's, mm -hmm. it's a great source of protein and it's better than other grains. But if you look at the nutrition facts of that compared to say like brown rice or farro or bulgur, which are all different whole grains, it's almost identical. They all mm. have around I, I don't have them in front of me, but I think it's around like eight grams of protein in a serving, which is usually about a quarter cup dry. And ha uh, that, that equates to like half a cup cooked. So um, <laughs> you're getting a decent amount of protein from those things. The only thing is that you have to eat a lot of it to get enough that it could be the only source of protein in a meal. Uh, and that it ends up being a lot of calories if you do it that way and a lot of carbs. So I almost suggest mixing it with other things, kind of like mix it mm -hmm. with chickpeas or mix it with other beans, mm -hmm. or even if you mix it in a taco, a lot of times people forget that you're getting proteins from different things in the meal. Like you'll get a little bit of protein from some vegetables like broccoli or Brussels sprouts, and then you'll get some protein from the tortilla. So all of the things mm -hmm. when they come together into a well-balanced meal is going to provide a decent amount of protein for you. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, a good reminder. So um, several women admitted to going overboard relying on protein powder. So what's your take on um, protein powders? I'm usually a food first type of person. So mm -hmm. I, I think of those as supplements. And, and I think a supplement is essentially they're supposed to supplement the diet. So most of the mm -hmm. nutrients should come from food. But that said, I understand the convenience of them. I understand why people use them because they're there. You mix it with water and you're getting sometimes 20 grams of protein in a glass. And, and, and there's nothing really wrong about them. They're, they're mostly made from, depending on what, what you choose, the whey ones are, are dairy. So they're made from, they're essentially made from milk. Whey is the protein in milk. Um, and then the plant-based ones, now they have so many different varieties. They have pea protein, mm -hmm. and now they even have pumpkin seed protein and a million different types of protein. Uh, mm -hmm. So they're- Cricket. They're made, mm -hmm. yeah, 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 they have cricket protein. <laughs> <laughs> they're made from the proteins in those foods. They're just a little more processed than eating those foods. And you also get other nutrients when you eat those foods. You're getting the vitamins and minerals, and you're getting fiber and all that stuff that you're not necessarily getting in the uh, protein powder. So my suggestion is try to limit them if you can, but if it's really the most convenient thing for you, don't feel bad about it. Go for mm -hmm. it. It's just a little more expensive than say mm -hmm. making a smoothie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What about some of the additives in protein powders? I mean, I think it's important to, that people kind of read the labels. I don't know. What's your, what's your take on that? Protein powders are not regulated, meaning that they are a supplement. So a food has to go through testing and has to have a nutrition facts label on it. And it has to be exactly, the label has to show you exactly what is in the food. That said, supplements are not the same way. So you want to make mm -hmm. sure that you are choosing a brand that is reputable. There's labels you can look for on supplements. One is NSF. And that means it's been tested and uh, by a third party so that you're not getting any weird additives. So you may see articles sometimes that this supplement had arsenic in it, or it had something kind of crazy that you realize you should not be eating. Those are mm -hmm. rare cases. And that's a lot of times for supplements that didn't go through a lot of testing. Uh, so I recommend just making sure you kind of know what brands you're, you're using. Don't always go for the cheapest thing that you can find on Amazon just because it's cheap. <laughs> Make sure you're looking <laughs> for the things that have the third party testing because otherwise there may be some things in there that you're not really looking for. And then even the ones that are reputable sometimes do have artificial sweeteners in them, which there's, you know, there's nothing 
super wrong with artificial sweeteners, but some people like to limit them in the diet. Uh, so you just kind of want to read the ingredients on exactly what you're getting. Gotcha. Yeah, makes sense. Um, and, and this is also kind of following up. Um, this is a question from Deanna. Um, but you, you touched earlier on um, tofu and soy-based products. And she's wondering, is, is soy really all that bad? Because I know there have been, you know, over the years, there have been a lot of uh, different studies that kind of question, um, you know, some of the things that, that soy um, does in your body, you know, when it's ingested. And so can you speak to that? Yeah, soy is not that bad, in my opinion. I think a lot of times the studies that we see with the scary headlines, when you look at those studies more in detail, they're having them eat a tremendous amount of soy. So mm -hmm. if you're eating a smaller amount, like a normal half a block of tofu or four to five ounce serving or whatever it is, it's not necessarily anything that's bad for you. There's actually studies that show the opposite, that those people who eat soy have uh, healthier body weights and just have healthier diets overall. So those kind of scarier headlines, I I've seen less of them than I've seen of the benefits of soy. So I always tell people don't worry about it unless you're eating five, six blocks of soy every single day, <laughs> which that probably one. wouldn't be that satisfying. Yeah, that yeah. Would, you wouldn't need your teeth. You could kind of just like suck on it all day long. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so another protein question. We had a lot of protein questions on our Facebook page. Um, uh, this one from Paige said, it always seems like the vegetarians I know tend to go um, with carb-heavy foods to make up for the protein. So she wants to know how to create a diet without that. And then someone else asked um, how to get a high-protein, low-calorie, um, how to, sorry, how to eat high-protein, low-calorie density foods so that it's hard to get the same protein in, say with a chicken breast, with something like beans without tripling the calorie count. And that was, you know, something you touched on with the quinoa that you got to eat like a lot of it to get in the same amount of protein that you would from some other source? The lowest carb protein sources are actually usually soy or mm. dairy uh, or mm. eggs. Those, those are the ones that are going to be the lowest carb. Uh, if, if you're following a low carb diet for runners, a lot of times I, I don't even worry that much about the carbs, because you need a little bit more of them than other people. And also, when we think of carbs as being bad for us, and that's usually carbs that are super processed and things like desserts or candy or soda, that's kind of like the carbs we're thinking of that are bad. The mm -hmm. carbs that are good and necessary are usually the carbs in fruits and vegetables and whole grains and beans and legumes. So I'm not necessarily worried about those but if you really want to cut down on them yeah you're you're going to want to kind of increase your uptake of um tofu and tempeh and dairy and things like that and and the other thing about the calories yes you do have to eat larger portion sizes that said overall i have found that people who eat a vegan or vegetarian diet tend to have more flexibility in their calorie intake because they're not eating meat and they're not eating animal sources, which are usually higher in calories. So chicken may not be, but something like beef is higher and butter and cream and all of those things that we think of, that we kind of forget add a lot of calories to the diet. You can kind of make those up by eating a little bit more uh, of the the beans and the whole grains and things like that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what about, um, I don't know if I'm saying this right, Satan. Um, I sometimes joke and call it Satan, but um, <laughs> the, the, what I, I, once I made a um, faux bolognese sauce for a college friend using Satan, I have to say it was one of the most disgusting looking dishes that I ever served to a guest, but it was really tasty. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, say, I think it's Satan but I, okay. I'm, not I'm not sure, but it's, it's made from wheat gluten. So it's not for anyone who's gluten-free, uh, mm -hmm. but they gluten, uh, wheat has, gluten is a protein. And what mm -hmm. they do is they take this protein, a lot of it and kind of 
for lack of a better term, smush it together. Yeah, I was going to say mash it together. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and make a protein out of it, which is what seitan is. So it, it's mm -hmm. hot. It's very high in protein. I forgot about seitan because I don't eat it that much because mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know why I can't get past the texture of it, but that's a really good, really good <laughs> suggestion. It does have a ton of protein and it is lower um, in carbs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> And can I jump in one more time too? Um, and 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 I'm, this is going back to protein. Um, I sometimes feel like, um, okay, granted, as active people, we do need a little bit more protein than than inactive folks. But I also sometimes feel like protein got a really good PR agent a few years back, <laughs> and that there's you know a little bit of a misconception about how much we really need. I think some people are really really you know, focused on, on protein, 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 and that they might be exaggerating what their needs are. Can you speak to that one? Yeah, that's a really good point because protein is actually super confusing. The way that the recommendations are put out there is first off, they're in kilograms and we don't in the United States use kilograms. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's so hard to figure out how much protein you're supposed to have. So generally the way I talk to kind of the everyday athlete, I tell them that they should have probably half their body weight in protein. That's how many grams it should be. Um, because it's about one uh, gram per kilogram of body weight, and there's two kilograms per pound. So the easiest way to figure that out is take your weight, divide it in half. That's about how many grams you should have in a day. Um, okay. So that, that's essentially different for everyone, right? Um, and then I think the only reason it's so emphasized on a vegetarian or vegan diet is just because what we just talked about, you have to eat so much more of it. Sometimes you eat a meal and you don't even really have much protein in it. And really the only way to know that is kind of tracking how, what you take in for maybe a few days, which is kind of tedious. And I don't recommend it for everyone because some people can get obsessive over their numbers. But it, it is, I think, a good experiment to kind of look at, you know, logging your stuff maybe in a MyFitnessPal or something and kind of see, oh, this meal maybe only had 12 grams of protein and that's not necessarily enough. So some people may find that and then some people may find, wow, I had a protein shake and then I had some tofu and I just ate 70 grams of protein in one meal and that was way more than I needed. <laughs> uh, so I think, it, yeah. I think it's a little different for everyone, but people who eat meat, have no problem getting enough protein. I totally agree with you. It's something that we talk so much about, but most people who eat plenty of animal products don't have to worry about it at all. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, okay. So, so shifting away from animal products again, Leanne wrote, um, she said, I am anti imitation meat. I don't want or need to pretend to eat meat. And um, so Natalie, what are your thoughts on what we in my house call fake meat? Um, my teens, uh, we, they really like some, like they adore, again, we call it fake meat. Uh, the fake meatballs by Trader Joe's. Honestly, my 15-year-old twins have told me they could eat that every night and they'd be happy. <laughs> but then like, I find Beyond Burgers absolutely foul. So... <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I... I'm, I, I, I try to meet everyone where they're at. And I say that I'm always realistic with people. I, I don't necessarily say that everyone should, should never have these things or everyone should always have these things. It's, kind of, it's your own individual choice. I personally am okay with some of the fake meats every once in a while. They're easy. You throw them in your freezer. You have yeah. them on hand when you're tired and you don't feel like cooking and a lot, a lot of times they're made from soy or now they're starting to be made from pea protein. So they have, you know, decent stuff in them. Of course, they're processed. So you want to think about that in that if you eat them every day, you're eating a, a processed diet, which is not necessarily the best for you. Um, but then there are new fake meats which are different. And that's the Beyond Burgers and the Impossible Burgers. And those are really interesting because mm -hmm. I actually wrote an article about these burgers for Runner's mm -hmm. World, and I looked at the nutrition stats, and they're, they're really not any different than a traditional burger, because they're using fat 
And a lot of times they're using coconut, which is a saturated fat, which is mm-hmm. otherwise known as the bad fat, uh, to, to mimic the fat in a traditional burger. So the calories are high, the saturated fat is high. And it's just like, if you look at the two nutrition labels next to each other as a beef burger and an impossible burger, they're almost identical. So it's, it's interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they taste good, but they, yeah, you kind of want to like make them uh, once in a wild treat if you really just want the taste of a burger or something. Mm-hmm. Cause I have to say, yeah, the, the whole, um, you know, you talking about the, those, you know, you throw them in your freezer. And I mean, that is the thing when my kids are like, Oh, please mom, can't we just have the Trader Joe's meatballs? I'm like, Oh, I am off the hook tonight for dinner. It's so, <laughs> so easy. And, um, but then you had mentioned Natalie that, um, you make, uh, lentil meatballs and I made the what I deem the tastiest lentil meatballs and they had like walnuts in them and, you know, carrots and parsley and all this stuff. And I just thought they were yummy. My kids were like, these are gross, mom. I do not make these again. <laughs> I was like, oh, file that away for when they leave for college. Uh, <laughs> just a bummer. It's like, okay, fine. I'll open up the Ziploc bag and here you go. Pour it into the prepared tomato. <laughs> sauce and call it good (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's the thing you can't make these at home because a lot of times they're breaded and I don't know I I honestly have no idea how they make them but they do make them taste good so (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) well uh Allison has a question about um about nuts she talks she says I love almonds and cashews but rarely eat them because they're high in fat and calories However, I know they are nutritious. What's the recommendation on adding nuts into a vegetarian or vegan diet? How often and how much? Yes, eat nuts. <laughs> eat nuts. <laughs> Don't be scared of nuts. Uh, I, I can't imagine eating a plant-based diet without nuts, actually. They, yes, they're high in calories. So the serving size of nuts is one ounce, which is small. It's small and it's different based on the nut. For instance, walnuts are bigger and almonds are smaller and you have to really look at the nutrition label on the back. And it, a lot of times it'll say serving size one ounce and then it'll tell you how many nuts that is. So for almonds, I think it's 23 almonds and I can't believe I actually know that, but it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and the same with nut butter. It, it Usually you're gonna get two tablespoons is gonna be about 200 calories. That said, mm-hmm you're not eating a lot of fat in, in, if you're a vegetarian or a vegan because fat comes from animal products. So the fats you're getting a lot of times come from nut, they come from oil, avocado, seeds, and people are very surprised to learn that 20 to 30% of your calories should come from fats. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, you wanna you eat the unsaturated fats, the ones that are good for us, and those come from nuts. So you can have that kind of stuff in your diet and still totally have a healthy diet. And it also helps keep you full. You're not, Mm -hmm. those things really satisfy your appetite. So if you're worried about calories, then just try to stick to that one ounce serving or one to two tablespoons of nut butter throughout the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I find that, um, I really branched out in kind of my seed and nut life once all three kids were vegetarian. So, I mean, we put, we eat a lot of bowls in our house and um, I mean, I toast pepitas or pumpkin seeds, put those on top of kind of Mexican themed bowls. I put my son could eat pine nuts just all day long. So we put those on kind of Greek or Mediterranean bowls and just, um, I don't know. I think they add a, 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 they take every recipe up a level you know, it adds a sophistication and I like the toothiness and the variety of texture that it adds. So, I was just going to say that they, they add texture for sure. Cause plant-based mm-hmm. foods are, they can be a little mushy at times mm-hmm. and you need, mm-hmm. you need to add texture. Yeah. That's a big part of making food taste good. So for sure, mm-hmm. put them on, mm-hmm. I put them on tacos and stuff. I'm the same. Oh yeah. Oh, that's a good one. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah. So, um, so, all right. So let's hearken back to a time when we were running races. Um, heavy sign. <laughs> um, and, uh, uh, this question comes from Alana. She says, um, I have many plant-based or meatless meals I love, but none are ideal for dinner the night before with a sensitive stomach. 
For those with sensitive GI tracts, she wants suggestions for pre-long run or pre-race meals that avoid all the things that can cause distress, beans, lentils, cruciferous veggies, high fiber veggies. And she said bonus points for not involving pasta or sweet potatoes. So Natalie, go. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) This is a hard one. And I I dealt with this while marathon training as well, because you... Uh Yeah, it's hard. You eat beans and then you run a few hours later and you feel terrible. Um, (laughs) My suggestion is breakfast for dinner. That sounds maybe, (laughs) I I eat avocado toast a lot when I was marathon training. So maybe do Mm -hmm. that for dinner. Or um, I have a pancake recipe that I make, which I use whole wheat flour and mashed bananas in it. So it doesn't have any added sugar. So you can still do carbs that have less fiber, but still have a little bit of fiber. So uh, a lot of whole wheat bread, not not including pasta in that is hard because that's really where I would normally go. Uh, uh-huh. uh, or potatoes, which she said, not that either. But yeah, I would go, I would try, I would try breakfast for dinner the night before. So try pancakes, try avocado toast, um, or you can do some sort of wrap with, everyone is different. So everyone's gonna have different things that upset their stomach. Uh, So Mm -hmm. maybe you do a wrap with some sort of veggies in it that don't upset your stomach, uh, like more Mm -hmm. lettuces. And I would usually throw chickpeas in there, but I don't know Mm -hmm. what affects what so you kind of have to and and the other thing with this is do trial and error like don't wait until the the night before a race to try to figure out what's going to give you gi issues because whatever (laughs) race that is you were training for for however long and you were probably doing a long run make do the trial and error then because that's Mm -hmm. when you're gonna figure out what works for you and what doesn't because you may find for instance i know black beans really upset a lot of people but chickpeas don't so you mm. may find that you're okay with that or, you know, lentils have a lot of fiber, um, but brown rice doesn't have as much. And I find that a lot of people can tolerate that. And you could throw some veggies in there with maybe some tofu or an egg or something like that. So experiments, mm-hmm. but experiment during your training. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and you obviously live in one of the the avocado toast hot spots of the country, <laughs> uh, according to Bon Appetit magazine, all the time. But um, I find you can do so much with avocado toast that you know you can. We put my son again, that fifteen year old. He loves avocado toast, and so he's actually um, taught himself how to soft boil an egg um, that um, he then puts on top of, or we put feta on top of it you know, sprinkle some um, red pepper on it. Obviously that doesn't add protein, but it adds a little, little zip that bring out your zester. You can put a little lemon zest on top of it. So you can really get a lot of variety and you can add a fair bit of protein to it without kind of weighing it down. That's, that's what Absolutely. we find. And you- and then you don't have to pay $15 a plate for it like we do in New York City. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, or wait in a long line with a bunch of hipsters like you would have yeah. to do back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, so speaking of those teens of mine, um, a lot of people were wondering what suggestions she have when kids or teens want to go vegetarian, but other family members aren't willing to follow Um I know that, so I've got my 15 year old teens and then I have, they have an older sister and she, when my older daughter was vegetarian and the only true vegetarian in the family, it was really tougher for us than, than it was that now there's three of them eating that way. Now I, there's we're family of five. So I'm like, okay, majority rules. Um, <laughs> so, so any advice, I think particularly a lot of women were saying that they're, um, husbands are very adamantly, not only pro beef, but, surprised by the number of women who said that their husbands will eat very few vegetables. And there were a couple of women who were like, Oh yeah, my husband won't eat any fruit at all. I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> that must suck to go for them. But, but um, so what advice do you, do you give to, um, you know, when a couple of those teens get rebellious and want to be vegetarian? Yeah, that's definitely difficult. It's difficult because you don't want to cook three dinners. I totally understand that. Uh, mm-hmm. And 
I I have a husband that used to be like that in a way where <laughs> he would never, I can't imagine when we first started dating that he would eat cauliflower and things like that, but he's totally does that now. I find that, I, I find that, and some, some people listening are going to say, no, this is not true for my husband, but I find that <laughs> if you cook vegetables the right way and make them tasty and kind of use them like add spices or add sauces or or throw them into a dish that people like them more than they think so uh-huh. yeah I say give it a try but in terms of um yeah kids having a different dinner that it's difficult because you really want to try to only cook one thing but I my suggestion would be maybe cook one thing that starts with some sort of veggies or uh, plant-based protein in a way like beans or legumes or whatever and then add the meat in the end so at least you can kind of keep the two things separate so that you don't have to cook two meals so maybe that's something as simple as doing some sort of like flatbreads where Mm. maybe one is you put some tomato sauce on it and veggies and cheese for the non-meat eater and then maybe the other one has some chicken and whatever veggies you want to do on it so it could be something simple like that and it could even be I think a a lot of times people tend to go to pasta a lot for plant-based eaters so your kid doesn't eat what you're eating and you just make them a bowl of pasta and if if that's the case make the pasta for everyone put in Mm -hmm. vegetables and put in you know beans or lentils or something in there and then add some meat for the uh meat eaters or um the same thing with you know, tacos or casseroles, I kind of think like, stick to your basic foods, but try to make them more plant based at first, and then like add the meat in at the end, if you can. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my husband, if he um, has a, you know, hankering for some big piece of flesh, he'll just throw, you know, a piece of steak or something onto the grill. And so that it's even just kind of out of our sight. It doesn't make the kitchen smell a certain way. <laughs> and then, then we kind of just avert our eyes when he's eating it at the table. But <laughs> yeah, that's another thing. They could just leave them to their own devices, make them cook their own dinner. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. My mom always used to tell us that if we didn't want what she was making, we got cereal for dinner, which we thought was the worst thing that you could ever possibly <laughs> hear. Like, oh my God, cereal for dinner. But if made us eat the dinner all the time. <laughs> Speaking of families and, and meals, uh, Melissa wants to know for families that aren't quite ready to go all the way to uh, vegan or vegetarianism, um, how do you get a family to decrease their total meat intake? I think experiment with different things. If you want to do it for the whole family, try different recipes, try different proteins that you've maybe never had before, like lentils, like chickpeas, try these different things that um, maybe take a meal that your family really loves and try to just take the meat out of it. Maybe they really love stir fry and or they love taco Tuesday and kind of take the meat out of that and put something else in. Don't necessarily go, I think one problem that people have in general with diets, not just vegetarian and vegan eating, is that they go all in really quickly on something that's super extreme and that tends to not really work. So if we're just going to be vegan now and we don't eat any oil and we <laughs> only eat steamed broccoli, like yeah. it's not, not appetizing to anyone. Do what you're doing now, just change it a little bit to kind of make that transition. Uh, so yeah. yeah, just add a little more of the plant-based foods. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So another question we have is from Sophie and she wants to know information about vitamin B12 and iron when you are vegan and active. And uh, while you're at it, can you address heme versus non-heme iron sources? Sure. Heme and non-heme iron is probably the second question I get to protein (laughs) because iron is super confusing. There's a million different markers and ways to measure iron in the blood. So First off, what I would say is don't just supplement with iron just because you're vegan or vegetarian, because 
Iron is actually a mineral. And if you have too much of it in your blood, it can be toxic, which is dangerous. So don't Mm. take those supplements unless you know you are deficient in it. And not every vegan or vegetarian will be deficient in it. Uh, So there's there's two different sources of iron. There's heme, which is the iron that comes from animals. So it's in the blood of animals, any animal you eat. And then there is non-heme iron, which is in plant foods. The difference between those two things is that our bodies don't absorb non-heme iron as well as heme iron. And because of that, people who don't eat animals have to eat more iron-rich foods. That doesn't mean that you can't get enough. You can get it in spinach, lentils, oats, quinoa. It's in a lot of plant-based foods. You just have to make sure that you're eating a decent amount of those on a daily basis. And if you feel like you are iron deficient, which you would feel because you may feel sluggish all the time, sometimes you may feel cold. Um, if you're chewing on ice, which is a weird symptom, but that, that's something that can signify that you're deficient in iron, uh, you want to get a blood test from your doctor. And it's really, really simple. It's a simple blood test that you would get to measure different things in your blood. And they can just look at that and tell you if you're iron deficient. And if you are, then you may have to take a supplement, but you may not be. You can also donate blood. I want to put in that plug for donating blood because they'll tell you. That's how I found out um, that I was um, iron deficient at one point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Really anytime (laughs) you go anywhere and give blood, they're always looking at iron. So it's like so easy to figure that out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So, all right, Karen asked, do you have any suggestions for getting enough calcium and absorbing it properly? Uh, Karen mentioned that she already takes a calcium supplement because at 48, she was just diagnosed with early onset osteoporosis. If you have early onset osteoporosis, definitely continue to take the supplement because that's going to be the best way. But if you're a person who's just concerned about calcium on a daily basis, dairy is obviously, we all know this from being children and being told to drink our milk. Uh, (laughs) But if you don't eat dairy, there's a lot of plant-based foods. Soy foods are a huge source of calcium, so tofu and tempeh. And then uh, nuts and beans um, are big sources. The one thing to think of is that iron interferes with calcium absorption and the opposite. Calcium interferes with iron absorption, which is a weird thing. Uh, So... (laughs) You just want to make sure that like you're not having a ton of iron rich foods with your calcium. So for instance, say you have a smoothie with Greek yogurt and then you put three huge handfuls of spinach in there, you may be kind of interfering with the absorption of that calcium if that's the only calcium you're getting in the day. If you're eating kind of a well-balanced diet throughout the day, you're probably fine. Um, But the other thing is, If you do take a calcium supplement, make sure it has vitamin D in it because those two things kind of go together and help with absorption. Mm -hmm. I just had to start, remember to restart taking my vitamin D because I'm like, oh yeah, winter's coming. I live in the Pacific Northwest. I am getting no vitamin D. (laughs) Yeah, most people aren't. I know. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So Natalie, we just had so many questions on our Facebook page. So um, I want to apologize to folks if we didn't get to the question. We think we we just kind of scratched the surface of this, but you really um, gave some great pointers and um, uh, I appreciate your time today. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me on. I hope everyone found it helpful. Yes. Yes. Take care. Take care. Bye. Amanda, are you, I'm, it's been so long since we've seen each other. I don't remember. Are you vegetarian or do you partake of the I'm not, but I'm definitely on the bandwagon of um, less meat. So um, (laughs) I guess reducetarian would probably be where I fall. Um, (laughs) I've never heard that term. Thank you very much. So one of my friends works for, um, for the School of Public Health at Hopkins and she's an RD and um, she's like, she's a really big at, you know, drawing the lines between um, the environment and meat consumption Mm -hmm. and, you know, and that's kind of what she's a proponent of. I mean, as, as well as, you know, vegetarianism and and veganism, but um, that's where she kind of lines up in terms of if you don't want to completely give up meat. Um, I mean, my, my kids, both still like they've had their moments of being vegetarians, but Mm -hmm. they also go back and forth, you know? So Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I'll, I'll include meat in there um, with them, but I'm, I'm not, I can live without it pretty easily. Yeah. 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 It was the environmental concerns that finally um, made me give up beef. At least I realized that um, the, the pig industry has a big impact on the environment as well, but I read a New York times article and I just was like, it was about the, you know, the beef industry. I was like, whoa, 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 way too big of a footprint for me. I can't, I can't do it. And, yeah. and um, I mean, then now you hear the stories about the workers in the, in the, you know, meat processing plants during mm-hmm. COVID. And I'm just like, oh, mm-hmm. wow. Like it's not just our planet that's being hurt. It's the, you know, the humans. So yes. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a whole nother thing. So um, well, onto a cheerier topic. Um, you must check out our new fall and winter merch. We were so excited about, it. we banded it together as a capsule and uh, released it a little over a week ago. It's been flying off the shelves. I've had to do some reorders because in addition to wearing the podcast hat, I also wear our um, shop hat and we have um, quarter zips, really cute um, hoodie. We have jogger. We have a jogger set. So um, you can, you know, go all Garanimal with the matching top and bottom. We have uh, just released a, um, our pom-pom beanie, which um, so cute. Um, so just all sorts of great stuff. And that is in the Mother Runner store. Um, motherrunnerstore.com is where you'd head over to. And um, lots of great things to add to your holiday um, gift wish list. So again, that's at motherrunnerstore.com. Our podcast today was produced in Portland, Oregon by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures. Many happy miles. Happy miles.